Hi, I'm Paul Gladder, and this is Religion Unplugged, an interview series about the impact of religion in public life around the world. On today's program, Religion Unplugged reporter Micah Danny and I interviewed a visual artist from New Jersey named Sybil Archibald. She studied ancient religion in New York City and found her exploration into the spiritual provides depth and meaning to her work as an artist. She's been featured in galleries, art shows, and even an HBO television show. We spoke to her recently at the Clara Story Gallery in Montclair, New Jersey, where her work was recently featured. My name is Sybil Archibald. I'm an artist. Um, my work is uh, about the creative process and how creative energy comes into the world and transforms everything it meets. Uh, most of my work is informed by my experience with illness. I have scleroderma. I was uh, diagnosed in like, around 1991. I was in my you know, early-ish 20s. When I was diagnosed, I was given five years to live. And uh, basically, I just decided not to listen to that. And I went on a journey. I couldn't find any way to heal myself physically. The doctors didn't really have anything for me. There was nothing but toxic medicines that really weren't proved to do anything. So I decided to do what I could to heal what I could, which was to go inside. And so I started healing the hurts and the parts of me that were damaged inside. And as I um, began to heal inside, uh, things started to shift for me externally. And I've always um, believed in, uh, or always used sort of as a guideline, the alchemist saying, as above, so below, as within, so without, as um, the universe, so the soul. And um, so I really, you know, took to heart that whatever I was doing internally was going to come out in the world not necessarily changing my hands are still, you know, clenched like this, but I, it, it's changed everything in my life. And the artwork has um, been the vehicle for that change. So everything that I was going through inside came out in the work. And just to give a very simple example, say I'm upset and I make an image, and it's an upsetting image. I leave this studio, I'm still upset. That was not transformative. But if I make an image, and that image is an upset image, and then I bring an energy to the image that is, you know, a lighter energy, a happier energy, a transformative energy, or an embracing of that emotion, it transforms the image. And then when I leave the studio, I'm transformed. I no longer have that upset. And then that change in me then ripples out and affects everybody that I come into contact with throughout the day. So when I go into the studio and I have an issue with a piece that I'm working on, it's usually an internal issue, something that I'm working on shifting within myself and it it manifests as a problem either with a composition or a technical aspect or something. And when I overcome that problem in the work, it changes me. And so a lot of the work is about 
the uses of adversity and suffering and how we transform suffering and how just the creative act itself is transformational because creative energy is, is healing. It, it um, you know, it pulses through everything, the grass, the, the wind, everything, the, the chairs, everything that is existing is filled with creative energy if we just access it. We asked Sybil to explain the disease that she has lived with for the last half of her life. So uh, scleroderma is uh, it's an autoimmune disease, and uh, it's related to lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. And um, basically what it does is it um, causes you to harden up. So um, my hands are, you know, they don't move. Um, some people have described it like a mummification, which is why I've taken the mummy in some of the pieces and used it as a cocoon to transform into a moth. Because um, I feel that the illness has been a tremendous gift. Even though it's an illness of hardening, it's softened me as a person. So I am much more forgiving, much kinder, much more loving, much more um, open than I was when I was well. And I was very, I was emotionally rigid, but physically fluid. Now I'm physically rigid, but emotionally fluid. <laughs> but the transformative process, so for many years I was too sick. I couldn't barely, I could barely open a door. I could, walking up the stairs was terrible. I had to stop working and I couldn't do artwork. But as I started healing myself inside, um, and that started shifting. I was able to go back to the artwork, and then um, the artwork just working. The more I worked, the better I got. And even though I'm, I'm limited in what I can do, and I, you know, I have limited energy, and you can see my hands are, um, you know, constricted. I figured out how to do whatever I need to do, and I'm a much happier person. A lot of the work has stigmatas or other images of suffering in it, but I always, the images come out, and I don't, I never um, pre-plan anything. Everything just comes out. I go to the piece, and I just allow whatever comes out. So when an image of suffering comes out, like the stigmata, it's always also an image of redemption, because by embracing those parts of us that are in suffering, we really are redeemed. We're transformed, and um, we bring greater light into the world. And that's, to me, that's what it's all about. We asked Sybil about her philosophy around creativity and her notion of a capital A artist versus a, a lowercase artist. So I, in my work, I have a strong belief um, that there is the artist with a capital A, which is the um, universal source of all creativity. And then there's the artist with a small a, and that's me. And so that everything that comes to me is given through the artist with a capital A, and I'm just sort of uh, like a vessel that it flows through and but it's transformative. So every time that energy comes through me, I am changed. Um, the work is changed. And um, I have to believe that 
that is important. It doesn't matter if the work, you know, if a million people see the work or if anybody sees the work. The fact that the work has been made and that it changes the artist, any artist who's in their studio working, means that is valuable and that is um, that is important. It's uh, the idea of radical trust that no matter what you're doing in the studio, even if your work comes out terribly, the fact that you contacted that creative, generative energy and brought that into the world is meaningful. And... Um, you know, the work that artists do is a, it's an important work and it, but it, the importance of it is not that it sells or that even people sees, see it. The importance is that it's done and that you're bringing that creative energy into the world. We asked her what the exhibit meant and how it meant to show connections between the spiritual and the physical worlds. So for me, the veil between the spiritual world and the physical world is very thin. Um, and I think this exhibit is about, uh, you know, peeking through and seeing where the physical and spiritual mesh, you know, where we get uh, a look through. So I have a, a series of monotype a day. I've been doing it since July 2018. I've done it every day. Um, without missing, even when I was in the hospital. Um, I brought my plates. I was in the hospital for three weeks. It's been a really important spiritual training for me during the monotypes. I've learned so much, number one, about, um, you know, what can happen when you're, when you devote yourself to a practice every single day and how that changes you. Um, Number two, I've learned that judgment is irrelevant. You know, when I started the uh, project, I used to worry, would somebody like this piece? How are people going to react? If I posted all of this stuff. And over the course of the project, I've learned that what I judge as a good piece, people don't really react to. People love the ones I think are the worst pieces. And... um what I've learned from that is the pieces are not for me. You know, what's for me is the moment where I'm working and I'm in that transformational energy. After I'm done and I put it out into the world, the world decides, you know, maybe somebody likes it and buys it. Maybe some people are moved by it. Maybe they're not, but that's not what's important for me. Um, What's important is the act of working. Um, and uh, the other thing that I've learned while doing it is that there, there are two levels to each piece. There's a very personal and almost sacred conversation that I have um, between, it's between myself and the artist with a capital A. You know, there are symbols that come to me and I'm, I'm learning, I'm getting messages and, and guidance from the work. And then there is the more, um, impersonal level where other people look at it and they see what they, um, you know, what they bring to it. They see and interact with it in a different way. And that's, um, that's been really interesting to see how 
multiple, again, multiple layers of consciousness and meaning can exist in one point at one time. We asked Sybil about the range of reactions she experienced from people. There are many reactions. I mean, people have told me, you know, I took my peace to my sister who was dying, and we were able to use your piece to talk about, you know, the transition and what was going to happen. And um, I had one piece where somebody was in, um, you know, in a wheelchair, and and they looked at the piece, and I just, you know, I saw their whole body change, and they, you know, told me how that piece was meaningful to them and how you know, it changed them. So I have had a, a number of experiences where people have told me that looking at my work has transformed them. And again, you know, I feel like that piece was given to me. You know, I had the honor of, of receiving that piece for them. You know, it wasn't anything that I particularly did. It was something that came through me. We asked how her art has always been part of her life. So I was always an artist from a young age. I was making, you know, in, in preschool, I was known for making these sort of monster face heads. When I was in high school, I really, really desperately wanted to go to art school, but my family wouldn't let me. They wanted me to go do something more practical so that I could support myself. And in their eyes, they didn't think art was viable. So I uh, went to school and I got a degree in medieval spirituality, which, uh, as we all know, is extremely lucrative. And, um, you know, that's I, it actually, you know, I'm happy that it happened because I found I had all of this inside of me and I had never, you know, you know, all of this feeling about the thinness of the veil between the worlds, and I never, ever seen or heard. I didn't grow up with any religion, although, you know, my family has a long line of ministers and people like that, but I wasn't raised with anything. And so when I started studying the medieval period and I, I started reading these texts, I just, you know, I found a home. I was like, wow, there are other people who think about these things. And wonder how the world is structured, the universe, and how we cross between worlds, between the mystical and the, and the physical. Can you name a couple of authors um, or um, that really spoke to Plotinus, the Enneads, was um, a major influence on me. Um, Bonaventure's Life of St. Francis and the Soul's Journey into God um, Hildegard of Bingen, her um, illuminated illustrations and the Scivias. Um, you know, I, I actually don't know if I'm pronouncing these things, some of them correctly, because some of them I studied on my own after college, and I never have heard anybody say them <laughs> out loud. Um, and those are Bernard of Clairvaux. Um, those are some of the biggest ones. We asked Sybil about the use of symbols, hands, ladders, fish, and other symbols that we saw emerging in many of her artworks. Um, yeah, so hands have always been a really important symbol for me. 
Um, I most often make hands, working hands, not hands like mine, because I don't feel limited, even though I am uh, very limited. You know, I have to ask for help, but I think physical limitations are a state of mind um, as much as they are a physical limitation. So my hands are very limited physically, but I don't feel limited in my head. And I think that's why they come out, you know, not, you know, as regular hands most often, but they, they are a symbol of how, um, you know, we interact with the world. And so my hands are, are clenched into fists. So for me, they're a symbol of transformed suffering because, um, I don't feel limited by them. And yet they are limited. It's a, you know, these two things, these two truths can exist at one time. So you can, um, have a physical limitation, but if you're mentally unfettered, it doesn't affect your ability to work. Like a lot of people are surprised that I can do the pieces that I do, but you just have to think outside of the box. So ladders are a symbol of spiritual evolution. And, um, you know, because ladders are tall and, you know, it, there's, it's work to, um, climb up them. Um, I think they're, they're a really good symbol because, um, to climb a ladder, if you're not present to what you're doing, you're falling, you know, you're in, you're in big trouble. And part of, this spiritual journey is learning to become present. And the other interesting thing about ladders is that they go both ways. You climb up and you climb down. And I really believe that um, we receive nourishment and creative energy, but we also give back by our choices and our actions and the way that we choose to embrace or not embrace our gifts um, can, you know, it's a mutual um sort of conversation. So windows are another, uh, you know, a portal between the worlds. So um, most often in my work, uh, things are coming through the window. Often the figures will have a, uh, a window in the chest and, um, you know, the, the energy, the birds, everything comes through the window. Um, but at the same time, it gives us an opportunity to look inside, you know, um, most, a lot of the symbols go both ways in my work. For many years, I had fish in my work and I had absolutely no idea what they meant. But, uh, this last year, I finally realized, um, I'm very, very influenced by, uh, spiritual poetry, sacred poetry from around the world. And especially in Sufi poetry, uh, the ocean is the ocean of divine love. And to me, uh, d- divine love is creativity. It's the, you know, pulsing generative force that's in everything. And, um, the fish is the one thing that can comfortably live in that ocean of creativity. So for me, the fish has come to uh, symbolize the artist. Um, something, a physical creature that can kind of, you know, bridge the gap between the physical world and the spiritual 
you know, pool of creativity. So this piece, Catch and Release, which was used in um, HBO's Mrs. Fletcher, there it has a lot of different symbolism in it, but I made the piece initially because I was doing a lot of work that had this dark figure in it. And um, over time, the figure started to transform. First it was a dark figure, then it was a light figure. And then one day I knew I had to release it. So I started making this piece and I started breaking up the figure and then pours out into the world the fish, you know, existing in that creative soup. The head above is kind of, you know, the higher power watching over it. And then you have the the water always symbolizes the creative energy. So it, you have drawing from the pool in the first panel and, you know, pouring back out into the world. And then you also have the ladder, which is, um, you know, spiritual evolution. You know, sometimes we think when our life isn't going someplace or we're not working that it's wasted time. But that whole time that I was sick and not able to work, I was actually gestating, growing work inside of me. And so um, I was always um, very deeply moved by the story of the Annunciation where the angel Gabriel comes and, you know, sort of, uh, tells Mary that she's pregnant and Jesus comes into her womb. And um, to me, that is, you know, sort of how I think about how art happens. It's given, you know, you're, you're there and you're open and you're available and, um, you know, something's given and it's your responsibility to gestate and grow it and bring it into the world. Of course, you know, there's a big difference between Jesus and artwork, <laughs> you know, but that's the whole idea of as above, so below. So, you know, it happens on the greater level and it goes down and down and down until we get to the lowly us, you know. Um, but, you know, what we do matters because, you know, we saw that mattered in the world and even our work as a gentle, small echo of that act of creation. Creation matters no matter what you're doing. That's an important, that's life. Life is about creation and change. Sometimes I'll get an idea for a piece. It will drop in and I'll start it, but I am not there spiritually, so I can't complete it and it will sit there. And I'll sit there and I'll want to work on it, but I the energy isn't there, and then one day, boom, I've changed, and I can make it. We asked Sybil how she manages creativity and inspiration. So when I start a piece, I know something's happening. You know, there's some change happening in my life, and then when the piece is finished, the change has happened. But I have to have patience for the piece happens. It doesn't happen on my timeline. It happens on you know, the artist with the capital A's timeline, you know, the small artist has to wait. And um, at this time, I wasn't able to eat. I went for about a year and I wasn't able to eat any solid food at all. And um, it was really hard. Um, there's a lot going on in the esophageal area in this piece. And um, 
I got very thin. I, um, it was really, really difficult time, but I, you know, I kept going and I figured out how to do it. And at some point, um, things started to shift and that's when I was able to complete the piece. I started being able to eat a small amount of solid food and I still eat, you know, a lot of liquid food, but I can't eat solid foods. We asked Sybil about her creative process. I do my very best not to think of anything. So, like, I, I try and remain open so that I can get a message. And usually what happens is a seed of an image drops in. It can happen any time during the day when I'm doing something, or it can happen when I'm standing in front of the canvas or the etching or the monotype plate. But a seed of an image will drop in or a color will come. And so I'll start with that. And then as I work on it, it unfolds. It's kind of like, um, yeah, it's really like a seed. You, or it actually what it's like, do you know those toys that kids have? They're like little um, capsules and there's like a sponge inside. And you drop it in the water. So you get this little capsule, you drop it in water, and then it just sort of, the hard casing dissolves and this creature you know, comes out. That's how it is when I work. It just sort of magically happens. And I'm, I'm there listening. So it's, it's kind of like a conversation. So I'm listening as it unfolds and I'm following. But I also, you know, each artist, it's like a sewer stained glass window. We, you know, the light, it's the same light of creativity coming through, but each of us has our own color filter where the light comes. So I have my own filter, but I'm, you know, taking direction through that filter. This episode of the Religion Unplugged podcast was hosted and reported by Micah Danny and myself, Paul Gladder. Special thanks to our podcast producer, Peter Freebie, and especially to the artist, Sybil Archibald, for speaking with us. And thanks to Catherine McGuire, who is the owner of Clara Story Fine Art in Montclair, New Jersey. She's also a painter and art historian, by the way. The Religion Unplugged podcast is a production of religionunplugged.com and is a part of The Media Project, a nonprofit dedicated to equipping journalists to cover religion. To read our award-winning global religion news coverage or to find out more about Religion Unplugged or The Media Project, visit religionunplugged.com or follow us on Twitter at religionmag. <laughs>